Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. It's a quick snapshot of a small period in time. There is still a lot of work left to do. Um, in fact, you know, <laughs> this is not really giving too much information about the trajectory and where we're headed. It's just taking a snapshot and showing what some of the problems are long term. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast, a webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. I want to say thank you to anyone and everyone who supports all the endeavors we have going on at By the Hood. I'm joined by my partner in crime as always, Corey. Corey, what's up, good brother? Yo, what's really good, Jim? Every day above ground is a good day, so let's go get it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And listen, um... Shout out to everybody who's been leaving great feedback on our podcast, our new format. Just us having quick conversations. Um, kind of like what we do on Friday, but on Friday we do it with our folks, but our regular podcast. It's just a chance for us to look and see what's going on in the news in terms of black wealth and finance and have conversations, give our perspectives. Um, so salute to everybody that has been leaving us thumbs up, giving us good feedback. We definitely appreciate that. Um, but, Corey, I got an article today that I want to talk about, and it's talking about black families and their net worth. And what has happened to their net worth post-COVID. Um, so I'm going to pull that up in a second. But before I get started, I do got to say this. Although the article reads one way, this is just a snapshot, right? Let me, let me, let me, let me slow it down real quick. Let me slow it down. All right, so let me just say this. It's a quick snapshot of a small period in time. There is still a lot of work left to do. Um, in fact, you know... <laughs> This is not really giving too much information about the trajectory and where we're headed. It's just taking a snapshot and showing what some of the problems are long term. So don't get too excited when you see the headline of this article. That's all I really want to say. So with that being said, though, let me um, share the article for those that are watching the video. For those that are listening to the uh, audio podcast, as I always do, I'll read some of this out loud so you can get an idea of what exactly it is that we are talking about. Um, and this article comes from CNBC, came out a couple months ago. But what it says is this, black families net worth has grown more than any other racial group since COVID, but the wealth gap remains wide. So some key points from this article, gains for average net worth among black households has outpaced other racial groups during the pandemic. A study has showed because of the lower exposure to the stock market, black Americans didn't experience huge fluctuations in their equity holdings in 2022. The value of real estate holdings of black individuals has risen by 72% since the end of 2019. And home ownership also rose among black Americans during the pandemic as more buyers look to take advantage of low mortgage rates. So getting into the article, and again, remember, this is a snapshot. It says black families saw their wealth grow more than that of non-black households during the pandemic. But, you know, obviously there is still a racial wealth gap. Um, and it goes into specific numbers. The average net worth among black households rose to more than 340000 through the third quarter of last year from the end of 2019, marking an increase of 32% over just 11 quarters. And this is according to research from Wells Fargo using data from the Federal Reserve Board. Um, Non-black families 
had a much higher starting point, another fact that like, you don't want to pay attention to, of 950000 before the onset of the pandemic, and their wealth has also risen, but just by 21%. So saying everybody's wealth has risen, but black folks by 32%, while um, non-black families by 21%. So with the improvement, the racial wealth gap is still staggering, right? So black Americans' net worth is 70% below that of non-black households. Let me repeat that. Black Americans' net worth is 70% below that of non-black households. So again, the article has a title that makes you feel like, okay, everything is trending one way. We're still 70% that of non-black households. It's saying over a short sample period that our uh, net worth increased a little bit more than everybody else. Um, but here's one of the more interesting things that I found in this article, Core, and I want to talk about this as well. It talks about how what type of assets we buy as a culture. So it says that black families' assets are less diversified. And it gives you a pie chart and talks about the percentage of our assets and where they're allocated. So for, uh, for black families, 44% of our, uh, our net worth is tied up into our pension entitlements, 5% in the stock market, which is a corporate equities and mutual funds, 6% in consumer durable goods, 4% in private businesses, 27% into real estate and 14% into other assets. Now, when you look at non-black asset allocation, you'll notice uh, 21% is tied up in pension, 17% in other assets, 24% in real estate, 10% in private business, uh, a small percentage in consumer durable goods, and then you have 24% in, in the stocks, the corporate equities and mutual funds. So there are two things you see that are huge differences between the black asset allocation and non-black, and that is the ownership of companies, whether it be private or on the stock market. If you, if you add those two together for a black household is only about 9% of our net worth and for a non-black household is 34%, right? So Core, I'm gonna pass the uh, floor to you, but I wanna give a little bit more context. This is the reason, like, you know, throughout the pandemic, right? So at, right after the pandemic in 2022, um, we saw a huge drop in the market, right? But because we don't have our money in the market, we didn't suffer from that. We have a little bit, just a smaller amount more in real estate. But what happens is, like, in 2023, when this study is done at the end of 2023, you'll notice that <laughs> it really meant nothing because now equities are up. And because of the way we diversify our money, we're not going to see that increase in 2023. Um, so it was like, you know, from a defensive standpoint in 2022, we were okay because we didn't have that. But the problem is when the market goes on fire, which it tends to do more than it goes the other way, we're not really being able to take advantage of that, right? So a little bit more context about this article. I'll read it for those listening to the audio. It talks about real estate. It says home prices soared during the pandemic. As homebound people sought new places to live, boosted by record low interest rates. Now, remember, that's also changed in 2023. It says the value of real estate holdings of black individuals has risen by 72% since the end of 2019, nearly doubling the gained experience by non-black individuals, the well study found. What's more, lower priced homes tend to have seen a, big, a bigger percentage increase, right? So... Boom. The article actually says a little bit of what I said. This is experts caution that just one study focusing on a short time frame might not represent a sustainable bridging of the racial wealth gap. I'm going to repeat that sentence. <laughs> this one study 
in a short time frame might not represent a sustainable bridging of the racial wealth gap, right? So it's just showing what happened over a small period of time. My biggest takeaway is how our money is allocated, right? Um, so what one of the professionals said who was interviewed for this article is that we want to see a substantial home ownership increase, long-term home value increases, and maybe more in 401k and stocks, right? So what I took from this, um, you know, and it gives a lot of data, a lot of information, and I will put the link to this article in the show notes as well as the uh, description on the YouTube video. I've done that for the past. I actually went back and put a couple um, article links in there as well so you can read the full article. Um, but my biggest takeaway from this core wasn't that we saw this um, a bigger increase in 2022. It's kind of how our money is allocated. So I said a whole lot, read the article. The floor is yours, good brother. What are your thoughts, feelings, concerns at all about this specific article and what is uh, giving information? Um, I have mixed feelings about the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing about the article is that it is um it talks about the allocation um and it does do some some digging into you know the, the price increase is more because the home's value started off lower and the percentage increase is going to be more because the the, the price started off lower so the, the, the percentage increase you don't have to it's like somebody trade an account with a hundred thousand dollars and somebody trade an account with a thousand the person with a thousand percent account is going to get higher higher percentages than the person with the hundred thousand dollar account um generally because of you know it's just less mass of money moving if i if i get a thousand dollars on a thousand dollar account i got a hundred percent if i get a thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollar account i get you know mm-hmm. a small a small percentage move so it's not um that doesn't really tell me anything what does tell me something is that um we are we are very um centered in things that we can touch and feel mm-hmm. um great point. great point so i'm not mad at that i'm just this world is moving so digital and and, and things of that nature that having you know having things that you can touch and feel is not wrong it's just it's not good asset allocation to only have things that you can touch and feel um the other the other thing um that i wanted to talk about with this article is that um the pandemic is is a it's an outlier mm-hmm. and so um during that outlier it showed us that given an opportunity we will do what we have to do but those opportunities get steamrolled when everybody has you know what i mean access to those opportunities and the rich wealth get you know like i said uh the 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 way the racial wealth gap is really not it's not closing um because they have access to things still that we don't have access to we're still getting denied for loans at a higher rate. We're still getting denied for all of these other things at a higher rate once the pandemic ended. And that was the thing that stuck out to me because all of this happened during the pandemic when they were desperate. Nothing was moving. The world was shut down. And so it was kind of 
the, the plan the plan floor was kind of even you know what i mean they wanted yeah. anybody's money they can get but now that the you know the pandemic is over it's back to business as usual let's go ahead and stop on these folks you know what i mean mm-hmm. and keep it and keep it pushing like we always had it pushing so um for me that's the thing i took out of it you know what i mean like once the pandemic was over the numbers stopped moving so that tells me a lot about how our world operates um i'm always looking for the shady for the shady uh shenanigans um, <laughs> that you know our oppressive our oppressive folks uh try to you know push on us and and, and and i'm not saying that's an excuse or any of that stuff because you still got to get involved you still got to do what you got to do but for me without putting that out there it's like is is without context you know what i mean so for me the context i took out of it is that these shady folks is back to being shady so that's what i took out of it so i have a couple questions for you based upon your response right to the article overall um and i guess the first one i'm gonna save that one let me ask you this one right you talked about how we're moving digital and looking at this as well as a couple other studies that i saw now there's some conflicting studies. When it talks about cryptocurrency, it looks like black people are more than likely to own crypto than anybody else. But outside of that, from when it comes to paper assets, we still um, tend to not buy things that we can't touch, see, or feel, right? And I, I know why that is. Because All right, so my grandmother was one of those people who didn't mm-hmm. trust paper assets. And it's because the government was so damn shady with paper assets like we weren't allowed to own those paper assets then we were allowed to own those paper assets paperwork gangsters was getting taking it from us yeah so um so that was not that was actually that's the, the, we, the, the, you know, i was gonna ask you i was gonna ask trauma. you it's, it's trauma i was gonna ask you in your upbringing did you know people in your neighborhood or family that were paper assets or were they like i want to buy some land only person i knew with paper assets was my pop everybody else had the 401k that their job gave them mm-hmm. or they own real estate okay or business like you know but you're talking about you're you're coming up right but when you read yeah. that article it looks like that's still where our money is right real estate and pensions right that's that that's what the I article mean, says because so it's, it's kind of we're kind of still in that same space because the pension was run by the government overall so if something happened to the pension it happened to everybody pension right mm-hmm. so that's the the one thing about the pension which made it safer you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As a safer place to keep your money, because if it happened to your pension, it happened to everybody's pension. Pensions are 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 group projects. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so your pension is not. We're talking about the traditional government pension or one of the newer four hundred one k type pensions, but either way, or four fifty. They're all group. They're all group projects. They are. But I guess the question I have is. Um, it looks like, I mean, again, I don't have the data from when we were coming up, what it was 20, 30 years ago. But looking at this data and hearing your, you know, your your personal testimony, it looks like that's exactly the same as it was then. It right? is. Not, not much change has changed. Because the trauma hasn't changed. The trauma so, around it hasn't changed. No, understood. But now let's, let's think about this. And I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree with you. But I'm also, as you say this, I'm thinking about if we were, we came up in the 80s and 90s, right? So if you look at all the different booms that happened you know, whether it's late 80s, uh, the dot-com boom, the 90s, um, when everybody was eating, 
you know, um, even though these bubbles burst, but the leading up to the bubble, you still was making bread. I look at all the different bull runs that have happened, and we missed out on all that. We did. Um, That's well, we didn't totally miss out on because your pensions and stuff is tied to that stuff. We didn't totally miss it to a certain extent because also it depends upon what you have in your pension. I have That's met true. people that have like when they pick their pension, they pick the stuff that goes into their pension, they pick the most conservative thing because again, they're trying to avoid the market. So I guess my question I'm trying to get to is, what do we do? How do we change that? Because it seems um, like I don't, I, I don't think in our lifetimes we will see a change because okay. the trauma around it hasn't changed, right? Yeah. The only thing that could possibly change that is that the world go goes fully digital and then we left with no choice. You see what so, I'm saying? Let me ask you this question. Cause I know sometimes we get trapped in our bubbles, right? We, we, we are around people that kind of um, are into the same things as we are. So our friends that we associate with probably the most are people that are traders, investors in the real estate, in the art, all these kind of things. But when you look outside of the bubble, you see a different story. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the, around those people all day, every day. I work in schools. In understood. Communities. Let me finish the question though. Do you still think when you look at the content, what's going on in the world, do you think that we're having any sort of shift, even if it's small, with more people becoming aware of finances? Aware, yes. But awareness doesn't equal action. True. Great point. So, Man, that's I a mean, Awareness well, doesn't equal action. true. A lot of people are more aware, but, it, you know, at, 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 you know, 12 and 15 and 20% interest, you know what I mean? Like, so I mean, I, I guess I guess it's kind of hard. In the like, past, though, in the past, a lot of people weren't even aware. So before you can actually so, take action, awareness is, is is great. I think our parents and grandparents were aware; they just weren't allowed. So I actually I, I start to wonder, like, are we in some sort? And shout out to the brothers who own the uh, who own the brand Black Wealth Renaissance. I like their name. I always think about that. Are we in? Are we in some sort of Black Wealth Renaissance? But then I always smack myself, like, no, that's your bubble. But then I think about, you know, awareness, but like, you're right. Action is different than awareness, but awareness has to come because you know, awareness I, talk, I, talk to my, I talk to my elders in my family. They weren't aware. Like they don't, because they were so fearful of markets and it's based upon history. They understand what happened with the Freedmen's Bank. They read about like you, these little enclaves of black wealth that were burned to the ground. So for them, you know, they, they, they just don't trust they don't trust big institutions in government. So for them, that's how they see the stock market. But at the same time, there's so much wealth being built in that place. I'm um, not, I won't disagree with those people um, because their experiences say they shouldn't do it. Right. I don't ever tell anybody to go against their intuition and experience because mm-hmm. your intuition and experience is the thing that, that keeps you alive and keeps you healthy. Right. So don't go against your intuitions and experience. But what I would say is is when you get new information you got to change with that information mm-hmm. and so what people do is they get new information and they keep the same habits mm-hmm. and so when you get new information you got to move with that information and the world is ever changing so you're always there's new information available every day and so you should be learning and growing and changing every day um the old ways work man like I need to borrow money. I always go to an old head because they got a pension and a 401k. I don't even borrow money from banks no more. I just pay back my old heads. You know what I mean? <laughs> For real. Because they got, you know what I mean? They got they got chicken. 
You know what I mean? I don't gotta hey. deal, I don't gotta deal with institutional madness, none of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and we could talk offline, but it's 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 it's, it's pluses and minuses. No, it's, it's pluses and minuses to everything because when you put your name in the institutional, you 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 the the, the the world of money is a lot bigger. I get it. So I'm not I'm not disputing that or saying none of that. I'm just for me, you know, I wasn't even using banks at all. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I'm still leery and weary of banks because I don't trust them at all. Because I know how to, knowing how the system works with new information, I'm even more distrustful of systems. So of, of I guess my perspective is different because I trust them to be who they are, right? I trust them to look out for their own self-interest. But exactly. having having the playbook, though, like you know, oh, the, the running the play is, I, so 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 here's what I'll say, right? Because. I, I know what you mean. You could borrow, but I don't have OHIS that I can go borrow 750, 750 racks from right now. I can go to a bank and sign my name and get it, right? Oh, for sure, because the, the level of money is different. The yeah. level of money, banks got billions oh. of dollars, and my OHIS got regular regular people money. <laughs> but anyway, you're getting off topic. The, t- the point I'm trying to make is this. Um, we're talking about the racial wealth gap. We're talking about that little that little bit of data. But that's that not used. off topic, Jim, because the racial wealth gap is is, is, is centered in... in, in um, like power, right? So this nation is a debtor's nation. Yes. Right. And so the racial wealth gap is not really centered in in being able to make money, even though you know we, we make 70% less. We, we already been told that. But it's also centered in the amount you can borrow. And mm-hmm. so that that plays a major, major role in 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 building wealth because, like you said, you can go to a bank and get 750. Because of your your history with banks, but most black people don't have that; they not in that position. So no, we're talking about so so in that in that regard, we're talking about access to capital. What I meant by getting off is like you know the difference between that. But I guess I want to lead to this question because this is the overall question. Like you know, okay. There's always articles and there's always content and there's always people who are talking about the um the gap. Do you think we focus on that too much? And hear me out before you answer. Because part of me feels like without being repaired, right, reparations or anything like that, we'll never be able to close the gap. It's not but, happening. But do we put too much focus on that as opposed to 100%. building what we can't building what we need can to do. hear the rest of it. <laughs> let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish, though. Because I want to put the question. It's not just for you. It's for anybody watching. Okay. I want to I get feedback from um, our listeners on the audio as well as the video podcast. Because I think about this. Do we put too much emphasis on the gap and trying to close the gap? Um, there's no way we'll be able to invest our way out, earn our way out. So unless there's some sort of package for that to, you know, that'll, that'll you know, kind of repair, we won't be able to do that. Now, with that being said, it doesn't mean that we can't, um, you know, you can build wealth without worrying about the wealth gap. That's what I'm saying. So, so, but do you think we put too much emphasis on that? hundred percent. Or but it's, but it's just data. Because it's a data point. It's just yes. one data point. Mm-hmm. So I think we focusing on one data point too heavy when there's thousands of data points that are maybe just as important or more important than a gap. So the, the gap talks, basically, when you talk about a, a racial wealth gap, you're talking about um, oppression, right? You're talking mm-hmm. about limiting opportunities and limiting the the um power the economic power of one section is it's like a part side 
mm-hmm. right? And so when you talk about the racial wealth gap, you got to talk about race. You got to talk about how that became and, and how it's perpetuated. And so nobody wants to have those conversations. And so if we're not going to have those conversations, then we need to just focus on us, right? Fair is fair is not something that happened. You know, fair is just not what the world is, right? And so since we know it's not fair, then what we have to do is we got we to gotta be better to each other, right? You know, people always get mad and talk about GoFundMes, right? But mm-hmm. my thing is this. You can do GoFundMes without having the having somebody die right the thing about it is those people that passed away or their family or their people i'm sure one of those people has a business you can go fund that business go fund that business right now that person probably sell t-shirts or dinners or they they the neighborhood barber or they the neighborhood you know auto mechanic or or something you know what i mean businesses that black people own go support those businesses instead of going to the korean lady and buying you know chicken from the Korean lady go down to Miss Esther and go get a plate you know what I mean it's going to cost you the same because the prices of everything is five million dollars right now so the thing about it is we have opportunities to support ourselves without because you know comparison is the is the killer of joy right mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to be joyful and because the other thing that would, would help us is we enjoy the things that we do right one of the one of the things that you said to me that that made sense to me uh over the years over these last few years is that you can ask people what makes them happy monetarily but when you just leave it at what makes you happy people struggle to tell you yeah they do <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and so the thing about that is you know when you're talking about money and all of these other things you know what i mean like it, it just makes it it, it makes it difficult to not talk about all of the things that that are that are baked into that, right? And so, um, you, when they start talking about the racial wealth gap, the first word I hear is racial, and then nobody wants to break down how the wealth gap got racial. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to talk about the 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 the, the apartheid and the slavery and the and the caste systems that that are living, breathing organisms in this in this country mm-hmm. and so if we're not going to talk about that stuff then we got to focus on repairing ourselves right we all we, we reparations start with stopping what you're doing right the first mm-hmm. thing something the first thing that has to happen with reparations is that the person that's doing whatever they're doing has to stop doing that and then they can make you whole you they can't make you whole until they stop doing what they're doing our country has not changed there's nothing that has changed about the way our country treats black people, except for they don't walk us around with dog collars and shackles. So, so a couple things about about what you said, right? Um, man, you said a whole lot right there. But in reference to like you know, always focusing on this racial wealth gap, I just wonder like, do we take the focus off of that and the focus on other things? Now, again, one of the things I do believe in is you know everybody has a part to play you know what i mean like so sure. there are people that do certain things that that's what they focus on there are people that focus on mental health there are people that focus on you know physical there should health. be people marching in the street yeah there should, so it's like there, there should be people marching in the street there should be people growing food there should be people talking about being healthy there should be people talking about money. yeah so there, that, that might should, work for somebody else right yeah but it's interesting you talked about um well i always talk about happiness 
I'm reading a book now. Um, and the name of the book um is called Don't Trust Your Gut. And I've been reading it for a little while now. It's called Don't Trust Your Gut. It's about making decisions in life based upon data as opposed to just trusting your gut. And in the book, they go over the whole thing of um what the data says about becoming becoming wealthy. What what uh businesses or jobs or whatever it may be, the data says make you wealthy. But it also goes into the difficulty of say becoming a multimillionaire, statistically speaking, versus the data points that they look at for what causes happiness. And studies have been done about what causes happiness. And what they found is, uh, and I don't want to ruin the whole book in case anybody wants to um you know uh, get the book. I'll put a link for the book in the show notes as well. It's called Don't Trust Your Gut. Um, but what's interesting about the idea of becoming a multimillionaire versus becoming happy, the things that actually make people happy, studies show, are the most, um, <laughs> some of the lowest costing things. Like one of the things on the list, just off the top of my head, was like um, walks by a lake with like love family or friends and just having conversations. People talked about how that specific scenery and, and, and that interaction brings them joy and that don't cost anything, right? But no one ever looks at that correlation between money and happiness, right? And it's not it's not getting into the cliche of, um, you know, money can't make you, you know, money can't, Drive. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we never take time to think about outside of money what makes you happy. But a lot of that is historical as well. Right. Because when, yep. you, come, when you come from a situation where you're always scratching and surviving or, you, you know, you're caught up in this idea of um, scarcity, then it kind of changes your um, time. As our book says, on your time and space, you don't have time to think about what makes you happy. That's why asking that question, if everybody out there, if you don't believe me, go around, talk to your family and friends, ask them what makes them happy, right? Outside of money. Just ask them what makes them happy and see what kind of results you get. Like me and Corey have been talking about this for years. When we do it, people generally can't answer the question. They got to come back. I got to think about that. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy that people don't even put thought in to what brings them joy because they're caught up in the hustle, right? The, whether it's the rat race or people just you know, going through the rat race or hustle culture where they feel like they just got to make every dollar every day, all day. Um, and not even realizing that brings them no joy. Anyway, interesting article as always sparked a conversation. Um, I'm going to put a link for this article in there. Let us know what you think about this article, what you think about overall the racial wealth gap. Uh, what are some things we can do? And what do you think about the fact that our people just are avoiding the stock market? I know a lot of times on our timeline, everybody's in the market, right? So we feel like, man, our folks are in the market. The data shows our folks are the outliers, right? And I, you know, so, man, it's, it's just like when I went to Westchester uh, University, it was ninety-seven percent white, but I would have never known because I knew every one of the three percent of the black people. That went. <laughs> <laughs> so you had like, no deal. You had no idea what was really going on because again, you were you were in your. I bubble. was in a bubble. I was yeah. I was definitely in a bubble because. It was a school with about twenty thousand people in there, so it's six thousand black people in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you, you in your space, but yeah, and that's crazy because I mean, six hundred. You, 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 we, you in our Discord all day. You and all the various groups we in. Yeah, our folks be getting to it. Like yeah. you know, having yeah. having conversations, even having conversations about what's going on in the market. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I've I've always felt this, but every time I look at data, it's telling me that that's not what's going on. No, so not at just, all. It's Which just means. It means two things. One, that there's a market there. <laughs> and two, true, true. And the two, that our people are still traumatized. So the two things that it tells me is that there's a lot of trauma there. 
and that since there's a market there, people are going to try to fill that void into that market. Yeah. Because that's what the data says to do. Yeah, pretty much, man. So interesting article. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more thoughts about, you know, um, business, finance, crypto, whatever, whatever it may be. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to get my brother on. We uh, we, we got a, um, an event coming up on the 16th of June, 16th through the 18th um, in Atlantic City. So I want to see if I can get the brother that's running that whole event, the Black Excellence Festival, to come on. So I'm going to see if I can get him on for next week, um, the week before that, that festival. So with that being said, though, um, we appreciate all the support. Leave us feedback, hit the like button, share this video, and give us your opinions on the various questions we asked throughout this video. Um, anything else you got to say before we got it, Core? Nah, man, just, you know, be safe out here. The world is not, you know, all, all um, cotton candy and bubble gum. So be, be, be good, be safe, you know what I mean, and, and check us out next week. Absolutely. Please stay safe out there. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. As we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you guys in our next episode. Peace.